Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. Welcome to Max Mike. Welcome movie. to Max Mike. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Wait, are you? You're, t- you're fired forever. But. Oh, no, all it's right. me. This that, fine. This it. week we'll let you do it just to make you feel good. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're welcome, I'm you're, sure. You're so kind. <laughs> drip, drip. Drip. <laughs> As I was saying. Were you? Welcome to Max Mike Movies. Once again, we bring you another in the chronicle of our third series, In Search of Dungeons and Dragons, a saga of epic proportions and stuff. Both Mike and I are longtime players of role-playing games, starting out with D&D. When we started with D&D, it was a pretty limited subculture. These days, it's more mainstream. We found ourselves wondering, among all the fantasy movies from the cheesy sword and sorcery movies of the 50s, 60s, and let's face it, 70s, to the more high-budget, higher-quality films like Lord of the Rings, are there any that capture the spirit of a D&D campaign? Are there any movies out there that give you a real idea of what it is to be a homicidal pyromaniac kleptomaniac? And, or, as Mike so so eloquently puts it, a murder hobo. I didn't make it up, but I found it on the internet. (laughs) Today we're discussing the 1983 fantasy film Krull. The plot... Wait, uh, wait, what? I just, just reminded you of I this. was going to do that after the plot. <laughs> no, people okay. need to know who we are first. People don't care who we are. No one cares. Well, that may be true, but you still need yeah. to do it. I am your host, Lord Maxival of the Eastern Shores. And I am a small cat named Pookie. <laughs> okay, can I go on with my plot synopsis? Pookie, a.k.a. Mike? Yes. Only go for on. this episode, you're going to be Pookie, and it's your own fault. My name's Basher, and you have to call me that, too. You already said Pookie. Too late. (laughs) Yes, you may do your plot. Plot away. (laughs) The show. On a distant planet, the... You're not doing the dance. (laughs) I am, too. You just can't see it. I'm doing the crawl shuffle. Okay. Ooh, left, right, step, turn. This is the interruption week. (laughs) Max hates me. Go ahead. Do your plot. (laughs) I want to raise On a distant planet Known as, well, Krull A terrible beast known as The Beast Has has come from space in his Death Star I'm sorry, I'm sorry His evil teleporting mountain to To conquer the world For some reason He decides to attack the wedding of Generically handsome Prince Colwyn And generically hot Princess Lyssa he TM. kills a lot. TM, yes. He kills a lot of people, kill, kidnaps Lissa for some reason, and returns to his evil mountain of scariness. <laughs> Colwyn, accompanied by the wise Obi Wan Kenobi, I'm sorry, but I mean the wise, <laughs> the wise Yadir, assembles a group of of companions to attack the beast, rescue Princess Toadstool, and save the world. <laughs> That's not how it works. It's totally how it works. <laughs> I have described the movie in, with. An, Pinpoint accuracy. You didn't watch it, did you? <laughs> Define watch. <laughs> the box was nearby, right? <laughs> I was looking at a picture of the movie poster for a while. No, no, I've actually, I saw this uh, when it came out. I think we showed it on Movie Marathon. And recently I saw 
the uh, Rift Tracks version of it, the Rift Tracks live version, which was a lot of fun. And I did watch it again, or at least about half of it. Rift Tracks are our friends. They are. So um, a few things about this movie. Hey, is there any trivia about this movie? No, it's all of great significance. Ooh. Could you uh, significize at us then? <laughs> I can. Well, first off, this movie was, shall we say, not a, a great hit or it a wasn't. big success. No, I know. Control your shock. Now, to, to be fair, oddly enough, this was 83, Dig. They were, this was one of the most expensive movies of its time. Its budget was $47 million. And to give you, sharks to with give, laser beams. <laughs> yes. And to give you some perspective, this, this is the same year this little independent film called Return of the Jedi came out. Oh, uh, yeah, the teddy bear movie. Yeah, which had a budget of $32 million. Ooh. Yeah, the the U.S. gross, and I don't believe the crawl was ever released internationally, was $16 million, so oh, not yeah. so good. Oops. Yeah, it had another title uh, called Dragons of Krull. Hey, um, yeah? there's no dragons in this movie. I Hence the name change. However, oh. there is, ever since around 1980, there was a rumor that there was going to be a tie-in between this movie, Dragons of Krull, and Dungeons and Dragons with TSR. Huh? Yeah. Now, this is probably not true. According oh. to Gary Gygax, one of the creators of Dungeons and Dragons, he claimed that to the best of his knowledge, the producers never approached TSR for a license to enable their film to use the D&D game IP and did not draw inspiration from the game IP. That last part is obviously true. <laughs> I was going to say, that's probably factually accurate. Yeah, yeah. But th there was apparently a period where they wanted it to be a D&D &D movie. See, I heard it was originally called Krull Wars, but the director of oh, this oops. film was a friend of uh, George Lucas, <laughs> uh, and no, Lucas no. said, hey, could you Mike, drop... Uh, Mike, hmm? you're, you're, you're thinking of wizards. Oh. Yes. Never mind. <laughs> uh some things about the cast that's pretty interesting most of these people went almost nowhere ken marshall who plays handsome prince colwyn tm uh before this movie was an unknown he had one credit the tv movie marco polo which i'm sure we all marco. stayed home from polo marco polo chief mcleod which I'm sure we all stayed home to watch. Uh, he stayed mostly on TV. I didn't realize this until I looked at his IMDb page, but I actually know him from Deep Space Nine. Oh. He was a recurring character, Commander Michael Eddington. Well, there you go. Yeah, I was... Really? Wow, he did not keep his hair. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah, his hairline made a run for the hills, I'm afraid. Oh, dear. Now, we also have... Uh, still talking about the cast, we have a connection... Between this movie and Aragon. Oh, yes, we do. Yes. Torquil, the leader of the Band of Rogues, Alan Armstrong, played Uncle Garrow in Aragon. He also played Cardinal Jeanette in Van Helsing. Yes, he did. I actually like him very much. He's a lot of fun. This One of the surprising things about this movie is, apart from the main leads, uh, the a lot of high quality acting flesh is on display here Ooh, not so flesh. not so much from movies but a lot of these guys are classic english stage actors some of them one of them tony church who is in about two scenes he plays torold who is colwyn's father ah who has about four lines Ooh. he was one of the founding members of the royal shakespeare company ah 
Yeah. Hmm. The voice of the Beast, which is not credited in the movie, Trevor Martin, very well-known Shakespearean actor. Ah. Mm-hmm. And my favorite credit is Ergo. The Magnificent. You know, the Magnificent, Ergo the Comic Relief. Uh, David Batley. He was one of the Ruttles. Oh. Yes. That's he not was, where I knew him from. He, he's, been, he's done a ton of stuff. Where did you know him from? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He plays yes. Charlie's teacher. Oh, he's the teacher. I thought he was yep. the candy man. Okay. No, 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 no. He's the Oh, teacher. okay. But he is. He was Stig the bass player in The Ruttles. Ah. Yep. A, a, a truly magnificent uh, uh, role. Uh, one of the sets of this movie are pretty damn impressive. They took up about ten sound stages. A lot of the physical stuff. Uh, the uh, special makeup direct designer, Nick Maley... Uh, points out that the Beast was the first self-contained animatronic suit. Not only facial movement, but also lung, heart, and body fluid movement, all without a single external cable. Oh. Uh, There's uh, a scene in the movie where a character called the Emerald Seer Hmm. uh, does a transformation, and uh, that was a puppet intercut with non-3D transformation makeup, and uh, the special effects artist Dick Smith... Oh yeah, he's, that. He, he's been out for he's been around forever. The two of the made the, the rather sad thing is uh Princess Lissa or Princess Peach, wherever she is, <laughs> uh is played by Lisette Anthony, who is uh, an who's American, and she had all of her dialogue dubbed. Ooh. Yeah, she did not know this until after the movie was filmed. Oh, and uh, the president of Columbia Pictures took her in, took her into his office and said, "Hi, oh, um, Ooh. you're going to be dubbed by Lindsay Krause because she's English. Ah, that's about it. Ooh, I always thought that was very mean. Ah, yeah, I don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah. Now, now the actors. Before you go too far, there's yeah. actually one of them. He has a very minor part, but apparently, uh, at least in British TV and and British films." Uh, is continuing to work and has done quite well for himself, and that's Oswin. Uh, was played by Todd Carty. Which one is Oswin? He is one of the. He's the youngest of the thieves. Uh, oh, 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 the kid. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who I didn't have any kind of crush on when I saw the film. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there, there's also a couple of really minor, forgettable actors that people probably don't remember. Uh, this one guy, Liam Nassau, L- Loman, nope, don't know him. Nelman. Nope. Never heard of him. Yep. Why got who? Two of the rogues, the uh, the people who work for Torquil, one of them is played by Robbie Coltrane, who we yep. all know as Hagrid among uh, from Harry Potter, along with a ton of other stuff, including James strangling Bond Strangling a kit? Hmm? <laughs> what is strangling a kit? <laughs> And the other is Liam Neeson, yeah. who is in this movie because he has a very particular set of skills. I think he was just available. He wasn't anybody then. No, he was about, what, 15 or something. Of course, wow. he, it, there is something about the fact that, wow, that guy is huge. Yeah, he was very tall. He's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Very, very well, he wasn't tall. quite that tall because the guy who played the Cyclops ah. was 6'7". <laughs> but he was wearing lifts in his shoes, too, which added about 6 inches of height. So he was actually over 7 feet tall in that. Cripes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, Robbie Coltrane, mostly, uh, he just sent his eyebrows to do most of his acting because he has almost no lines, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he's still more interesting than most of the other characters. If you're a completist, you need to see this film. You do, you do. 
the uh, changeling effect where they this happens both with the Emerald Seer and with the the blonde nameless hottie who tries to seduce Prince Thunderpants uh, <laughs> has an effect called the changeling claw where their hand grows long nails and they use it to murder people uh, it was developed a hand that could actually do it could actually physically transform a practical effect was designed just wasn't but because used. Of, yeah, uh, except it was used later by Toby Hooper in his really creepy mo- 1985 movie Life Force. Ah, which, yeah, space vampires. Ooh. Patrick Stewart, naked women. It's weird. Oh, what? Patrick Stewart was in a space. Yeah, vampire Patrick movie? Stewart was in his. Yes, he was. He was young. Oh, it was 1985. He needed work. You know, the most bodacious man in pictures was in a space vampire film. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. <laughs> Here's another oddity. For some reason, Robbie Coltrane's voice is also dubbed by another English actor, Michael Elphick. What? I don't know why. I couldn't find out. They just apparently did not like his voice. He's only got, like, literally one line. (laughs) Otherwise, he just, you know, eyebrows. Weird. (laughs) The Fire Mares, by the way, are 16 Clydesdale horses. Ooh. Yeah. Ferried over to central across these uh, filming locations in the Abruzzi Mountains in central Italy. Abruzzi. Yep. Uh, before boarding the Dover ferry that would transport the, the equines to France, a passport for each horse had to be presented, which caused a bit of a sensation at the customs crossing point as each passport contained two photos a before makeup shot and an after makeup shot. <laughs> I have a past. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. make, make sure you get my good side, Wilbur. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but I'm not sure any of the fire mares were actually yeah. mares. <laughs> yeah, per, I don't think they were. They were pretty, they were geldings or they were dudes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's They had makeup. They wore wigs. <laughs> and of course, I'm sure we all remember the promotional tie-in games. Well, I remember the video game. Yes, there was an Atari, a game designed for the Atari 5200 Super no, 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 no. System. That, that too, but it was in the arcades. There was an arcade game. Yes, game there was a, a pinball parlor. There was a pinball game. No, there was also a video game. Oh, there it, was. Oh, yes, there was. Oh, okay. And it had five different scenes from the movie. The one I always got creamed by was you had to go up the mountain while the rocks came tumbling down at you. Oh, I always wow. got hit. Oh, I but, thought that was Dragon's Lair. Okay. No, that was that was like a cartoon. That was Don Bluth. Oh, yes, and uh, just one last thing in terms of connections to bad movies. Both Freddie Jones, who plays Yanir, mm. and uh, Francesca Annis, who has a very unfortunate last name and uh, plays the Widow of the Web, appeared together in Dune oh. the next year. Yeah. Ew. Yeah, if, yes, yeah, yeah. I believe uh, Freddie Jones was... Kumquat Hagen Daz or whatever his name was, Thufir Hiawat, and I think Francesca and Francesca Annis is the head Benny Gazeret mother. You're what's her name? You're making that up. I am not making any of that up. There is something about this. There is something about these Fremen. The urge to manage. Uh, I will kill him. I will I, kill him. I, I will, will kill, kill him. him. <laughs> I uh, sting in his he underpants. Is. He is the Kumquat Hagen Dawes. The Shut Up Mapes, the housekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dune, uh, this is a little aside. Dune was going to be the first movie I ever walked out of, but oh. I didn't drive, and the people I went with wanted to stay. 
Oh God! Why? And I I did not know anything about the story, and all I, I just sat there going, I don't know who this Paul Atreides is, but I hope he dies soon. <laughs> yeah, talk about like here here is a collection of actually really good actors. Yes. I mean, you got friggin' Jose Ferrer, Patrick Stewart. And Sting. And String. <laughs> Washing powder, what's the difference? We can sell anything. All of these all these people, let's throw them in with a famous book, stick them in the, in the Cuisinart and put it on frappe and hope something comes out. Mm, well, something came out all right. No. <laughs> yeah. So, the movie itself. The Lowdown. We can now now rip the. I mean, we can now discuss the various important and uh, the positive points of the film. Yes, you first. All right. So I did see this when it came out. I saw it in the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was my senior year of high school, and uh, I even remember the the friends that I saw it with, whom I'm sadly no longer friends with, because it was a very long time ago. Uh, I like this film. I am not going to tell anybody, whether they're listening or not, that this is a good movie good but i do like this film i have a very soft spot for this film it's growing hair and it's miscolored but it's a soft spot for this <laughs> you should film. have that look you should have that looked at yeah i probably should um i the thing i like most about it is i don't think i have seen another film that really embraces the fairy tale fantasy elements as much as this film does so we have characters like the widow of the web and admittedly we're giving a little of exposition but it's not a lot of exposition and we instantly understand who she is and where she would fit in shall we say a D module she mm. is a very perfect sort of npc we have the cyclops people whose backstory again is about two sentences and gives you a hell of a lot about who and what they're like. And the actor who plays them, uh, whose name I don't know off the top of my head, um, does a really good job of having this strong but but sad aspect to him. Um, then there's the glaive. Uh, and then there's also... Yeah. Things- <laughs> the glaive. Well, the gl- glaive we'll is actually... I think the glaive is actually an edged weapon. It just doesn't look anything it's like that. It's a polearm. It's yeah. a bladed polearm. It's like eight feet long. It's not a friggin' frisbee of death. But, I mean, but it's not it even, or excuse be. me, a bladed starfish that you throw at people. But it could be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually like the idea. I think that, that if you're going to go conquer a world, I think the Beast has actually got a pretty good idea. It's like, hey, you folks are not going to have enough time to screw with me because by the time you have mustered all your people together, I'm gone. I'm mm. somewhere else. I'm history. That- I'm Casper. Gone, gone. Um, and, you know, it's fine. It works. He goes and has his raiding parties, and then he leaves. He gets what he wants. People are destroyed, and he moves on. And now, admittedly, we have the part where it's also a spaceship. But uh, besides that, mm-hmm. um, I don't I actually mind the science fiction-y sort of intrusion, if no. you will. The, the, the elbowing and burping its way into the film. It, <laughs> uh, it works okay. Uh, the Slayers are, are quite painfully supposed to be stormtroopers although mm. they're also like little sluggy things because reasons uh <laughs> um i liked the emerald seer i liked the fact that this was a guy and this is his thing and he has this one thing he's very powerful but that's all he can do i i, I like all of those elements i think this is the only time i've seen anybody really try they don't get into them very deeply. They're, well, of course, the word deep is not really to be used when discussing this film. Not so much. But it really goes for the storybook, the fairy tale, the fantasy in ways that a lot of other films don't. 
and I really appreciate that. I like some of the actors. Actors, Alan Armstrong. I like Torquil. His little speech about fame. I love that speech. I well, think you should. He stole it from Shakespeare. Well, there you go. See, that's why I like it. His whole speech about freedom. You know, seek it and you'll go mad. No, no, Try no. to eat it's it. You fame. go hungry. It's fame. Oh, okay. He's talking about fame. He says, "With fame, ah, it's an empty purse." Uh, let's see. It's uh, eat it, go hungry. See, um, count it, go broke. Eat it, go hungry. Seek it, and you'll go mad. Yeah, it's and, fa- it's Falstaff's speech about honor dumbed down a little bit. Um, when you looked at trivia, did you actually look to see which came first? Because I don't think you did. <laughs> I think it's Torquil. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I wrote all of, Se- of uh, Shakespeare's plays, and uh, my wife wrote all his sonnets. Yeah, oh, I did. <laughs> Anyway. Uh, that's fine you know that it's from Shakespeare doesn't oh, really yeah. bother me because it, 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 it fits the character I like the character he plays it well uh, Alan Armstrong hasn't popped up that many times but whenever he pops up I've liked what he done I liked him as the Italian Cardinal in Van Helsing a oh, film boy. that I often get hit for because I like Van Helsing I yeah except watching him try to I mean it's basically it's a me a Cardinal Mario <laughs> um that may be. Having been to Italy, I will say there are some people that actually do talk like that. Now, that's uh-huh. not saying that it's not a cop-out or at least a, a stereotype, but there you go. Um, yeah, I I like Krull. It's not good, but I like it. Okay. I, don't hurt me. Okay, you don't have to defend you. Look, there are a lot of nice things about it. The production values are really, are really good, especially for a film... That's over 30 years old. Yeah, you're watching it going, they spent a lot of money. Yeah, and the locations are gorgeous. Yep. And you can tell they really like them because they linger on them quite a bit. Hey, there's not as much writing here as there are in some other films, Aragon. Yeah, true. And they love the sets because they spent a lot of time and money on them. And you're going to look at every square inch of it, by God. So, you know, I found some... I find the pacing of this movie very bad. I think it's very slow. It's uneven. Mm. There are parts it works fine and other parts where it's like, ah, and we shall now stop for dinner. And before we stop for dinner, we should clean the horses (laughs) and I think maybe we should comb our hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, and don't forget Titch because we're going to need him for... um, that, uh, yeah, that, some that, of it is just a little too much. You know, thing. <laughs> there's a lot of central casting in here. It's like, okay, we need comic relief. Uh, give me a give me a goofy ass wizard with a silly accent. Uh, we need something cute for the kids to associate to uh, identify with. Okay, we'll have a little boy with a Mo Howard haircut who <laughs> likes puppies and doesn't do anything. That bowl never hurt anybody. <laughs> Said, you know, it's like, okay, yes, here's handsome prince, here's here's pretty, here's attractive princess, here's wise old guy who shows up for no reason, and so forth. It's a lot of here's mysterious outsider. It's a lot of cliches, but yeah, it is a it's a decent. If you look at it as a fairy tale, it's not bad. The thing is, a lot of the stuff does raise questions, as you say. They don't spend any time explaining stuff, which makes makes things move along better. But I'm sorry, it really makes me wonder and. It's like oh, oh, they mention about the Cyclops. Yes, they they were, they were on an, a, a world far from here when the Beast came. Like whoa, whoa, wait, what? They're from another planet. How did they get here? They flew. are you telling me you guys have space travel? Me, you guys have spaceships, but to get across a continent, you have to ride My Little Pony. Well, really? He have it with him. <laughs> 
but nobody has one. I mean, that, that, obviously this this whole thing of beasts coming from another world doesn't freak anybody out. It's like, oh yeah, it comes from another planet, like you do. Well, when you've got a threat that suddenly shows up on your doorstep, you just got to deal with it. It doesn't uh, matter where it's the other from. Thing, how long has the beast been there? We know that he. We see him arrive in the opening credits. But how? Just, what's the time between when he shows up? And, like, the wedding that he crashes, because they've talked about, oh, yeah, the Beast Slayers control all the roads, they're all over here. There's been an entire alliance set up between these kingdoms. He didn't just show up yesterday. He's been there for a significant amount of time. Six months. You just pulled that out of your butt. I did not. (laughs) Yes, you totally did. I totally did not just make that up. Six months. Yeah, you completely made that up. And the glaive. (laughs) We have to talk about the glaive. Must we? Never mind that that's a dumb, the dumbest weapon. When he takes it out of the lava pit and he's holding it up and the blades snap out, my first thought is, and he's cut the tendons in his own wrist. Uh, well, it's, um, you have to be very skilled to use the glaive. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he does what with it? Um, he throws it. And he kills the beast with it, does he? Well, no. No, does who does he does he kill anybody but a couple? You know what the thing does? He kills some it slayers with it. It opens a door. Well, it cuts a it, hole it, in the wall. After it all injures this, you must... the beast. Now, to be fair, to get the glaive, he doesn't have to do very much. Basically, he had to, to stick get the... his hand in lava. Didn't he, have to, to do very to, much to do to get there. He had to. He basically it was rock climbing. Oh no, rock climbing, Joel. Rock climbing. Rock climbing. Yep. <laughs> could have been worse. It could have been a sandstorm. Could have been a sandstorm. That would have been Deep worse. Deep hurting. <laughs> he does stick his hand in lava that doesn't even singe his arm hair. Well, that's a that's a plot point of yeah. the film. Uh-huh. That's how you know she has fire for reasons, and she gives it to him because <laughs> yeah. he can take it. Now you see, that actually that's one of the few points I really liked is the thing that defeats them is part of their wedding vows and this magical flame that <laughs> their their love... Can, oh, God, even as I say no, it... I no, no, just, something just popped into my head. Don't know why it never popped into my head before. Cohen, 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 I got no fire. I got no fire. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, she says that at one point. I'm sure yeah. she does. That yeah. exact thing. Cohen, Cohen, I've got no fire. Cohen, my, my man. Cohen, my man. I, got, I have no fire. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I interrupted yeah it's okay. Uh, by the way, if these aliens are actually some sort of bug parasite, why do they yell while they're riding? Um, yeah. Riffs. Because <laughs> that's what you do. It keeps that's you all excited. You, uh, yeah. What I, could, I couldn't figure out is like, okay, so you've killed the body and now the little sluggy um, mucus yeah, thing did... pops out and goes into the ground. Does it grow another one? Well, it yeah, goes into does, the ground. Does it go home? Does it... Uh, does it die is down it, there? Does it, it grow it a new body? I don't does know. It get a we new don't job. Know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I don't. I don't. It was just meant. I'm sure to say, to say. See, these things are inhuman, so killing them is okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's yeah. Again, it's not bad. It's all right. You can kill them because they're not people. Yeah. I didn't mind the little science fiction aspects. I thought that I always admire when people try to blend the whole science and sorcery thing. I think that's cool. I don't think they did it very well. Well, they don't really do much. I mean, to be fair, that spaceship, it's like, um, do you have a problem with atmosphere when you go into uh, space? Yeah, that's a big hole. <laughs> but also the Slayer's weapons. It's the just weapon- like, well, we have one missile, and then we have to just kind of It's not them. even a missile. It's a laser blast. Well, These things are laser, laser rifles with one shot. 
Then they turn them around and you have to use the bayonets. Let's see, where have I seen that in science fiction before? Uh, yeah. Ah, that's right, UFO. Do you remember yeah. the show UFO? It's like, Vaguely. we're going to go and take down the evil, nasty uh, flying saucer things with our one missile. Oops, we missed. Yeah. Well, good, now we have a plot for this week. Yeah. I, I ah. thought those we- those weapons were just dopey. Well, they had one, I mean, to be fair, they had one ranged attack, and then they could switch it over, and it becomes a bladed weapon, so it's well, not, you know. But why? If they have the technology for this... I mean, you can't tell me that these things are the laser equivalent of a musket. As you well know, Max, it is very hard to get a portable battery to have that kind of charge. Yeah, if it's that hard, you couldn't even get one charge. Well, you can get one and that's it. Uh. I explained it. Deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) This explanation is quite unsatisfactory. Hey, do you want to go back to Sword and the... No, wait. Was it Sword and the Sorcerer? Which is the one with the triple-bladed sword of Veronica Six? (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the sword in the sorcerer that somehow has a spring-loaded middle blade that he can fire. That's the one with Lee Horsley in it, right? Mm, I think so, yeah. Hey, and, audience, uh, just be uh, glad Max and I are not yeah. going to make you watch Sword in the Sorcerer. We were thinking Ooh, about it. Woo. Yeah, that, that one hurts. Yeah, yeah, that one, that's that one where a... somebody dies on screen. It's technically a snuff film. Mm, oh, that's right. The actual actor died. It was a stuntman, yes. Oh, a stuntman, excuse me. Yeah, because you can't use the word actor with that film. Uh, <laughs> Again, now, I like a lot of the performances. I think, oddly enough, Liam Neeson's little bits about, you know, he's this guy with a whole bunch of wives. He's a lot of fun. Torquil yeah. is great. Love Even Yanir, apart from the fact that he's given just crap to say, yeah. which is all just, you know, oh, yes, bo- well, there's uh, wisdom, wisdom. There is one line where it looks like he is in dire pain of having forgotten his line and then remembers it at the last moment. Yeah. It's like he's going off to the wood of the web. He suddenly clenches his eyes, turns his head, puts up his hand, and it looks very much like he's going to say, I forgot. And he finally (laughs) says, we all must do our part in a way that sounds very much like I just remembered it in time and we don't have to waste film. But otherwise, yeah. The whole sequence with the widow of the web where he has to enter alone. She's the one who can tell them where the beast's castle will reappear, which, by the way, I agree, that is actually a really interesting uh, technique. The idea is the beast's castle teleports and it appears in a random location every day. That actually, apart from admittedly making it kind of hard to set up any real power operations, uh, it's a great way because no one can mass their forces against you. You can't attack a moving target. Right. And obviously this thing is big enough so it's completely self-contained. There's also some sort of implication that it's the body of the beast himself. Oh. Oh well, yeah, sort of cuz of like the the big well, yes and no because all of the body parts in the fort aren't exactly, shall we say, anatomically beast correct. No, um, no. Human they're, they're, ears and hands and and the scale is a bit wrong, but that's actually one of the interesting things about the interior of uh what is it called, the Black Fortress is right. It's very organic, and the impl- uh, when we see Lissa running around and screaming, which sadly is most of what she does for this movie, uh, it she's running through these places with teeth, and like the walls are, look like they're alive. There's an ear. Mm-hmm. It's actually an that's a, that's a really interesting touch. See, I thought she was actually meant meant to look like she was imprisoned in his mind. That's what I was thinking, not his body oh. so much as his mind. Well, he, um, he keeps running into actual soldiers, unless you're saying right. those were white blood cells or something. But uh, uh, sure, yeah. no, <laughs> no, I think it was. I, I thought that was cool. It's like wow, so the fortress sort of grew around him, or he grows inside it. That's really interesting. Also explains why so much, uh, so much of his power is invested in the fortress. That's why he can move it. He's got all his power and he spends it moving his... It's like he's a great big hermit crab. Yeah, and he never actually comes out. 
No, nope. he's, he's only inside, which he sends out his little sluggy guys, uh, yeah. the Slayers, because <clears throat> somehow that term hadn't been taken yet. Because you know, yeah. the next film that was going to be making a you know a science fiction or fantasy film with a lot of nameless bad guys was like, ah, damn, I was going to use that. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah, the Slayers. I will give them this. They're actually kind of tough. They aren't like stormtroopers where, you know, first off, they can't hit anything. And second off, if you shoot within 15 feet of them, they fall over. Yeah. These guys, they take some serious killing. Yeah. They're tough. Um, I'll also say, I never got the impression that the, the beast was actually trying to take over Crow. I think he was just kind of looting it. Which, if you remember, is one of your criteria for hey, a D&D film. I was but- going to say, the very one of the first things we see Yanir do is he loots the body of Colwyn's father. He steals his necklace and then, okay, gives it to Colwyn. But that's the first thing he does is he loots a body. It's like, all right, good for you. (laughs) But by the way, that is not true. That is not, the Beast tells us this. He is not there just to loot. He's there for Lyssa because there is a prophecy that says a woman, a girl of ancient name will choose a husband and they shall rule the world, and their son shall rule the galaxy. I'm and, coming, Liffa! <laughs> <laughs> and pretty much, that's what he wants. He Because he's what he's trying to do is not terrorize her, or... That's the interesting thing. She's not trying to use her as a hostage. He doesn't care about anyone else. He wants her to marry him. And he wants well, her to... Uh, he wants her... It's not enough he can't force her. He says he... he because the prophecy says the king she chooses... Right. So she's he's trying to seduce her. He's trying to get her to choose him so that his son will rule the galaxy. Now, I have to say, as far as prophecies go, capital P, TM at the end, this one's actually not quite the lumbering, annoying Hulk that it usually is in most films, especially of this type. Yes, it's a motivating force, but it's not like we have a chosen one that we are reminded is the chosen one. Again, TM, capital C. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we do. Film. We, no, no not we're not reminded. No. That's true. But we do have a chosen one, and that's her. Right. She's but it's the like, chosen one. But usually what happens is we're, we're, con- we're constantly following that character, and yeah. we're constantly being told they're the chosen one, or they're moaning about being the chosen one, or whatever. Right, or everyone they meet goes, oh, he's the chosen one? Oh, he's no chosen one. Ptooey. And they yeah. pretty much deal with that prophecy in the beginning of the film and the end of the film, and that's it. And otherwise, yeah. it's just like... Uh, Captain Cliffhanger uh, yeah. is just out to save Princess. What's her name? Peach. Um, yeah. But, so uh, that that yeah. part I thought was nice. They're not hitting us over the head. They hit us over the head with other things, but they don't hit yeah. us over the head with that. No, they don't. But it does explain the beast's motivation. That's what yeah. he's there for. He's there so because he wants his son to. Which I have to say, that's kind of a big jump. You know? Okay, we rule one planet, and then our kid will rule a hundred billion stars. Wow, that kid's that kid has a lot of pressure on him. Yeah, like, but Junior, you're 14 and you've only conquered 780 million planets. When I was your age, oh, but Dad, I don't want to rule the galaxy. I want to be a rock star. <laughs> Cuppers. Uh, wow, that was another deep. Wow, thing. deep cut. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not even going to yeah, explain that one. Just, New heart. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I want to, to go back a little bit because you started on something that you kind of skirted because you, you were it, encompassing a bunch of stuff. And that's the whole Widow of the Web. You were talking about yeah. Freddie Jones and his performance there. I really liked that scene because um, you really did get the impression that here is a, a hero and quote unquote small age because he's he's not the main hero and he screwed up. 
mm-hmm. and he screwed up big time and it drove her to do something terrible. But at the end of kind of you're pretty much at the end of both of their lives, they come together and they forgive each other. Yeah, that part would be in okay, except first of all, that scene feels like it's from another movie. And second of all, what she tells him after they've been apart for how long is like, hi, we had a kid. He didn't know that. Yeah. And I killed him. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, wow. I forgive you. Well, I'm whatever. sorry. No, bloody. I call no way. <laughs> I call no way. It's like, A, I had a kid and you didn't tell me. B, you murdered him in infancy. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm surprised you didn't go, you know what? I'm glad you're stuck here. Well, she's a spider. <laughs> it's what they do. <laughs> she didn't used to be. Or at least well, that's the implication. I, but, I mean, again, I love the visuals of that scene. I love the scent that she's in the center of what looks like a really cool spider web. I don't like spiders much, but I got to say that white widow spider is really cool. Yeah. But that doesn't fit. The part about that her having killed fit. the kid was kind of a little bit too much. Yeah, that and um, that's too bad because otherwise you're right. That's a great scene, and immediately you can you believe these two have a history, and you believe that there's something to it. But that that takes it to a, a level that is really uncomfortable and doesn't fit. Well, it doesn't matter because we don't see the kid. Therefore, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, that's sure. how Hollywood works. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you don't see it, it didn't have la 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 la. Look over here. Look, Spidey, Spidey, Lee. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I, I will agree with you on that one. Yeah. But I liked, I mean, let's face it, what he goes into, even though it's a very small one, is essentially a dungeon. Um, and yeah, there's a big monster technical. in the middle of it. True, and he has to do some clever magic stuff to get out. That and if true. she's and if she's not an NPC, I don't oh, know what she, is. Oh, I mean, she's not an she's well, she's a sort of NPC. That's a kind of class of NPC that's basically a plot device. Well, They're but it's one, like it's the character you have to go through to like yes. the person you talk to. You know, you it's, must it's, you must find ancient Irving and ask him the secret question. Yes. Yeah. She's ancient Irving. Right. Well, you know. From the famous so. the ancient Irving, who is a famous fantasy trope. Don't dispute me. I've never heard of, Oh, I mean that one. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that one I've known all these mm. years. Uh, I yeah, I like the scene. I like the acting. It's it, it the special effects such as they are have not aged well, but I like the visual of it. I like yeah. the idea. Um, meantime, we we get to see the the lads um, um, putting the horses up on blocks and then getting sandwiches <laughs> and um, <laughs> ev- evil bad changeling lady trying to kill uh, Colwyn because uh, they somehow knew he was there. I don't know about that, but that's that- fine. That was something that I, I also wondered a little bit about. The Beast always knows where they are. He sends changelings after them. He sends the one to replace the Emerald Seer. He sends hot blonde chick to go and uh, try to seduce uh, Prince Handsome Pants. And why does he only send one or two people? When he, well, sent, when he ambushes in the swamp, he sends like 12 guys. He's supposed to have an unbeatable massive army. Why didn't he send 200 well, he doesn't have them all in one place. Besides which, the last time he said a big army, who's the one person he didn't manage to kill? Yeah, Prince Fancy I, Pants. Yeah, so Prince he's like, Fancy well, maybe Pants. I'll try something else. There, yeah. I explained it. The movie's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've seen a lot more egregious errors mm. in other films for that kind of thing. I know, yeah, a lot of villains do really stupid things. I mean, at least he doesn't do the, all right, I'm going to put them all in an easily escapable death trap, <laughs> close the door, and then just assume everything goes to plan. What? 
It, there's not a point where I just am sitting there screaming at the screen. No. Kill him! Kill him! Just kill him! Why is no one killing him? Kill! 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 Because it's like, well, he's tied up. His arms are above his head. There's no weapons. He's barely oh, alive. I will you leave, haven't... You to, leave you to contemplate your fate. <laughs> I, uh, you've, I, got, I, you've got twelve I'm, guys with swords right there. They I'm going to go get a pizza. I'm him. going to go get a pizza. <laughs> I'll yes, kill that, you in an hour. <laughs> I will say I will give him that much. Yes, he does not do that. He, the, no, the villains are not egregiously stupid. No, um, yeah. So there are these elements that work very well. I, as dumb as they are, I even like the fire mares because to me, it's a D and D. It's not a real D and D monster, but it's like no, this it's is just, a yeah. thing you would you would find. And the fact, of course, that the Fire bears can't run away from the people. Yeah. Uh, we won't go into that. It's yes. like, oh, well, we can only go fast if there's someone sitting on us. Otherwise, you know, we're just regular horses. <laughs> Again, and the visual is fun. Yeah. And there's just something about like, oh, look. So, and I remember watching going, oh, now we're in a cowboy movie. Okay. You know what? That, I, I don't have a problem with that. Horses are endemic to fantasy games and fantasy worlds. Yes. So let's... I, I would also like to point out that the Cyclops says... That fire mirrors can travel a thousand leagues in a day. A league is usually three to four miles. That means the fire mirrors can travel about 3,500 miles a day at an average speed of about 145 miles per hour. It's very important that we know that. <laughs> Worst impression ever. Um, <laughs> it's flawless. I like the Cyclops backstory coming out of nowhere. Um it's very simple, explains everything, works great. Um, that yeah, that's very fairy tale. That's the visuals, very, yeah. I want to mm-hmm. say they did as best as they possibly could without CG. With practical um, effects, yeah. I mean, the the watching the eye blink, yeah. which is really very clearly watch. We can make the eye blink. That's <laughs> a little much, but otherwise I, he actually looks. And it's hard to do a cyclops without making it look really dumb. Yeah, and he, I think he looks good. I, I kept expecting to hear like the little squeezy bulb when he was making live like <laughs> I like his relationship with Ergo. I think that's yep. cute. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. They actually they, it becomes a buddy film when they're together there. Yeah. We and, had no time. And, and that's actually kind of touching. It is. He's really uh, upset that his friend's I, about to die. Speaking of Ergo, by the way. Yates. I think he and Colwyn have more chemistry than Colwyn has with his little princess. Well, you remember when she he, was dubbed. <laughs> when he jumps up on the horse behind him, he's holding on awfully tight, and it looks an awful lot like he's snuggling him. I think he's just afraid because it's a And the pun. first time they see the Cyclops and Ergo faints, and Colwyn gets down, <laughs> picks him up, and he is not just lifting him up, he's cradling him. Are you trying to insert I, some gay subtext into this otherwise I'm perfectly just, family-friendly, non-gay film type I'm pants? just saying. <laughs> I, did, I didn't really get that. I didn't uh, get that. I actually thought there was a lot more chemistry between him and the Cyclops, but whose name I can never remember, so he's the Rel. Cyclops. Rel. Yeah, right, no, yeah. there you go. Um, they actually seem to be much more like friendly together. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, for that matter, there's more uh, chemistry between... Um, ergo and Titch than there is between yeah. Colwyn and Lissa. Yeah, but that's, it's really that's too they, bad. Well, they just never do anything together except no. that opening scene where it's like, "Teehee, I'm gonna hide." Like, Whatever they um, say, good, ba- good fighters make bad husbands. 
Well, that depends. Do you expect me to jump like a dog? Arf, would, arf. Would you jump? You wouldn't jump for me? No. I'm sorry. Is this like flirting? Are you hungry? Are you <laughs> an actor portrays tired, tired? I'm not sure. And I, it, yeah. It's hard to it's hard to tell. But yeah, there is there are some good relationships in this movie. It's unfortunate that none of, that one of them is not between the prince and the princess. Well, you know, it's hard to get that kind of chemistry working. Well, okay, it's been done plenty of other times, yes. but in this film, it's hard. Okay, and I, I'm sorry. Just one other thing on the on the mechanics or the idea. Ergo, his whole idea is his magic is a joke. You know, uh, even Rhaenyra says the hill people lack the power to do any genuine harm. To which he responds, "Hey, <laughs> he." He can do transformation. He changes. I mean, okay, most of his spells he changes himself. But first off, when he shows up, he he's teleported, and he says offhand, "It was a thousand miles off course." Yeah, he transported himself a thousand miles. Well, he turned into a Roman candle. That's serious magic, and it's more than we see anybody else except the beast do. But it doesn't and, cause harm. <laughs> and. Yes, he he ends up turning into what a piglet, a goose, a puppy, and eventually a tiger. I still say it was a stupid wish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, foolish wish, foolish, wish. <laughs> foolish wish. Yeah, yeah. His magic's pretty impressive. Yeah, and but so, and some of the jokes are just too forced. When he's looking through his magic notes, and no, that's a recipe for hot fudge sauce. Ha 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 ha! A uh. pie may be expected to eat it. <laughs> Just for that, I'll turn into a goose. Whatever. Yeah, and I, I, I like that little... I actually like the fact that he's obsessed with gooseberries and gooseberry pie. It's obviously... That's his favorite, and he... It, it keeps happening. It's, it's a, it, it, he calls back to it. It's not one of those just drop it and run things. Yeah. I, there are elements. Let's yeah, say that there are. There are a lot of good elements. They don't come together. Not... not the, as well as they could have yeah, for forty-seven million dollars. Yeah. Although to be fair, there's not one singing and dancing teddy bear in this the, film. There, there are in fact, there is in fact a delightful lack of Ewoks, and not a single yub yub was uttered <laughs> by anybody in the cast. Keep your yub yub to yourself, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, hey, here's something yeah. to get people to write in for us. Not a fan of Return of the Jedi. Not a fan anyway mm-hmm. not that that has anything to do one of the things i'd like to point out too this is a sort of a meta thing is the soundtrack i really like the score for this film and apparently apparently sort of james horner because he kind of um shall we say um references himself when he does other scores for other films oh, and in dear. fact a fact apparently they uh hollywood liked this score well enough that they used it for numerous uh trailers um, I saw that in a, in a piece of uh, trivia oh. somewhere. That uh, especially the main theme. I love the music in this. I think it's really good. It's it's on par with a lot of other musical scores for genre films of this time period. Mm. Um, no, it's, I love it's, the... it's, yeah, it's not it's it, it's not intrusive. It's not it it's not like you must feel a certain way because of the music. And the music mm. is just plain. It's good. Yeah, and I like the the hero's theme, the the opening title theme. I think I like it a lot. It hits me every time. Mm. Um, so let's see. What have we talked? We've talked about the plot, such as it is, which is save the princess. I mean, that's effectively what it is. We've talked about some good parts. Unfortunately, he was she was in another castle. <laughs> yeah, um, with with P.D. Piranha. Mm. Um, we've talked about the things that have worked and not worked. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything we've left out. 
Uh, only the Lord Marshal has that key. Yeah, the King and the Lord Marshal. It's like, yeah. well, guess what you're going to be? King? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <said>. Torquil. Um, <laughs> and of course, Torquil's the only one of the thieves that really gets any lines, but I really like Torquil, the yes. character. Um, I don't know. I think I've run out of, out of stuff to hammer this movie with, um, besides the fact that it, it doesn't hold together that well, if you're, be- mm. but I still like it. Um, good D&D elements. Yeah. And anything else before we get to the big question? Do you have anything else you wanted to talk nope. about? Nope, I think we need to move into the big question. So now we have to ask, does this film in any way impart the feeling of playing D&D? The Roundup. Okay. I think it does. It's a, a good, solid quest movie. Yes, Res- it is. Yep, Rescue the Princess. Okay, that, it, yeah, Rescue the Princess, Kill the Monster. And save the world to be save fair. the world save the world that's a little high high end but sure why not save the world infiltrate the big because again the beasts dark mountain teleporting evil death star whatever it's a big dungeon yeah it's, it's not just, a very good dungeon it's not a very no. interesting dungeon no I mean, it's visually not. it's cool visually but, it's cool but there's not it doesn't make a lot of sense it's not that dangerous it's like why aren't people wandering in and out of here all the time yeah. but uh yeah I, no, I, I think that's uh yeah, I think there's a lot of gaming stuff. There's the whole assemble the party. You've got NPCs. Uh, you've got the people who are in there for profit. You do see a few people loot because remember Torquil tries to steal some of the emeralds. I, I actually like that scene. He steals some of the emerald seers' emeralds, and then when he opens up the bag, they've turned to rocks, and you cut to a <laughs> sequence of the emerald seer sort of chuckling. Yeah. See how he knew oh, it was much more like he <laughs> yeah. yeah, that Boy, was is a- that guy like older than death or what? You could yeah. see through his skin. Yeah. I have to say, I was a little creepy with this old man whose only companion is this little boy. Who can, thankfully, because he's blind, keep out of his grasp whenever he needs to. <laughs> yeah, that's the um, one thing. It's like, that guy's really too old to overpower the kid, but... Yeah. Achoo! Why? Ah! <laughs> uh, I'm going to yeah. agree, too. I, mm-hmm. there, in the scenes where they, they actually have the, hey, want to be friends for life, they actually give reasons why they might want to group together. Yeah. It's like, hey, they meet up with the thieves. It's like... You know what? I could use you. We don't need any leader. Well, you know what? I've got this key that can take off your manacles, and you should get. Should you get through this, I'll pardon you and make you guys heroes. And the thieves are like, um, we're hiding out in the rocks, and so far all we've stolen was this kind of scrawny chicken. You know, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. And so the, they, 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 at first they say no. Uh, no. Why do we need you? We're fine. And he's like, he gives them some reasons and they think about it. And some of them, the youngest one, sits there and goes, you know what? I only stole once. I got caught. I'm not really into this whole thing. Yeah, I'll go with you. Yeah. And and Colwyn actually uses him as a fulcrum and says, uh, you know, this kid's uh, kind of putting you guys to shame. You sure you don't want to come? And they're and like... You gotta remember, Yanir gives a really good reason, too. When he, Again, I still think Torquil was talking about freedom, because what he says is, but this is a legacy you could share with your sons. He specifically does say fame. Yeah, when he's oh, okay. doing that quote. Then but, your sons but, and Torquil's like, oh, God, yeah, this actually would be good for my family. <laughs> of course, Liam Neeson's sitting there thinking, sons, geez, I got a lot of those. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Liam Neeson, who has, I think, seven or eight wives, apparently. But they meet up with Ergo, and Ergo uh, is like, uh, I really shouldn't travel alone. Yeah. I could trip on a route. A mouse could hold me up. Uh, I should probably go with you guys. He's, he's a coward, and that's fine. Yeah. And he's like, okay, this guy's got a sword. He obviously knows what he's doing, and the old guy seems smart. And, oh, they have horses. I'm coming along. 
And you know, I smell gooseberry pie on one yeah. of them. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, if we're going to take what you said with any any weight, he's got which, a thing uh, for Colwyn. So which, it's like, which, yeah, sure, I'll go with you. You should take everything I say with uh, as pure gold and absolute truth. Yeah. And of course, you know, they, they take titch with him because, oh, your entire adult infrastructure has just died. <laughs> yeah, that's um, it. You're, what are they going to do? I mean, I think... And I, I kind of like the, the point where he... Colwyn is saying, we're your family now, and he's like patting him on, on the head, and Ergo puts his arm around him. But if you watch, Ergo looks over at Colwyn like, really? <laughs> we're adopting this kid? Really? He gives him this look like, oh boy. He, I mean, he's obviously wants to support Titch, but he's over his head. He's saying, oh, come on. What do you mean we're his family? You mean I gotta stay with you people? I don't like kids. I thought, what I would you wish for? A... I wish for a puppy. One out of a whole basketful. Only want one. No, a hundred. A hundred puppies. Only want one. <laughs> Which is, again, Titch is very sensible. And yeah. it's very sweet that then Ergo sneaks off and turns himself into a puppy. And I like Rill sees him do that. And he just gives that little smile. Like, yeah. that's that's my buddy over there. And Rell is obviously looking for somebody who's trying to do something against the beast. Because his people have a history yeah. of not liking the beast. So the way the group comes together, I want to say is probably one of the most believable and organic of any of the films that we've watched so far. I would say um, except for Conan. Conan, I think the way Con- the three of them come together is perfect, is very organic. Yes, and I, I also just love the fact that that one thief whose name I can never remember, Jose. Um, oh, uh, Subatai, I think. Subatai. You're sitting there it's like, uh, come on, let me go. <laughs> it's like, why, sh- why should I? Uh, come on, I'm hungry. Come on. Come on, you know, buds. I am swayed like, by your persuasive argument. <laughs> I honestly think it's just totally a buddy maneuver. It's like, you know, I don't have any friends. You seem pretty trustworthy. I'll let you out. And he also, um, it's like, he made, you made me laugh. Ha. Yeah, but not like the guy in Conan 2, who's no, just horrible. Yeah, who's just annoying. Um, but it's like all the other films, it literally is, hey, I want to be friends for life for the yeah. convenience of the plot. And yeah. But this film, it's like they actually have reasons. That actually um, works. I, I so, agree with that completely. We have a lot of the different types. Most of them are fighters. We, mm-hmm. we have we have Colin, who's a, a multi-class fighter rock climber <laughs> well who, um, and who get who gets one spell we have in who's a wizard or so we're told yeah we never see him do he's uh he again is just the wise man npc he's the uh exposition I, npc i could even push for him being a cleric because he uses um, oh he does heal colwyn's shoulder that's true this is his toe jam to heal <laughs> oh, oh Thankfully, i did not need it. that image <laughs> well, <sighs> yeah um, obviously Titch was going to be one, but it didn't end up being, we've mm-hmm. got not really a wizard. Cause I'm actually going to go out on a limb here and say that really Ergo is a shapeshifter. He's not really a, a, a magic user of any yeah. type because the only magic we see has him transforming into something else. Yeah. But that's a type, but in fantasy, in fantasy tropes, that is a kind of magician. And I think are... it's fair to say that when Rel say he has the the lacks the power to do real harm, what he meant is he can't really affect anybody but himself. So <laughs> maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, so oh yeah, the no, rest they're, of the... they're all fight. Most of them are fighters. I mean, yeah. fighter thieves. Yep, yeah, Rel who has... actually steal. Like, yes. these are thieves that they actually let steal things. Yes, they actually not... take things that are that don't belong to them. Like How they're about supposed that? to. Yeah. Um, and there's obviously a, a camaraderie. There's one guy who dies. He's the, the the dumb guy in the fortress who goes after the knife he dropped. And it's like, mm. uh, hey, you don't. Okay. Oh, I feel bad. It's, it's Biggs. It must be Biggs. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so we got a fighter, fighter thief. We have potentially a cleric. We've got 
uh, a wizard in training. We have a wizard slash shapeshifter. So we've got all of the party members. We yeah. have a quest, like you point out. I'll say this is a pretty big module, but it, it's <laughs> modular. Yeah, um, it is. There's and it a... is save the world, but it's not like... The threat to the... It's not like it's going to destroy the world. What it's doing is taking little bits of it at one point at a time. Mm. Uh, and it's, of course, you know, trying to get married. Well, it's um, also... Ch it's changing the changing the central government of the world. Yeah, so it never feels like the characters are going for something that's out of their league. Because no. as bad as the Beast is and as interplanetary as the Beast is, he's not really... He's... he Like, they're level 10 and he's, like, level... 15 level 14 he's i would have not, said 20 but okay yeah but he's like he's not like it's not like level one's going after darth vader or something yeah, or going like, after uh, or orcus or demogorgon or somebody yeah it's like you should stay home mm -hmm. um yeah. so yeah yes. i'd say there was a lot of D, &D elements to this film mm -hmm. um i would agree which means that it's uh currently number two i think for mm -hmm. most like a D, D game number one being conan number two being krull believe it yeah. or not you heard it here hard to believe hard to believe you know yeah, yeah. so what are we gonna what are we gonna watch next week brain same thing we watch every week pinky <laughs> nope not same thing next week next week we're going i think we're going to turn it up a notch in in, well, in terms of quality we're uh we're gonna go for a disney film sort of oh boy is it gonna be princess and the frog uh, i think that's very D, D. there's a party they get together they find npcs you know no it's, it's, it's a disney-ish film it's a uh. disney related film mm -hmm. um i can't remember what the actual connection to it is but uh, next week we are going to be discussing the film dragon slayer ah. which if you haven't seen it and in, I'll, we'll give this as a bit of a spoiler it was not wildly popular is probably better than you were led to believe mm. I mean, hell, it's got Sir Ralph Richardson in it. And Peter McNichol. Yes, but despite that, it has Ralph <laughs> Richardson in it. <laughs> Who later went on to be in, was it, Ally McBeal or something? Ralph, oh, Peter McNichol, not yeah. not Ralph Richardson. <laughs> no, yes. no, 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 yes, no. Yes, Peter McNichol went on to be on uh, Ally McBeal, and he, he, Peter McNichol has actually a really long resume. Yes. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, next week, yeah. tune in. and uh, uh, for will... In the future, okay, I mean... We hope you've enjoyed this one. Uh, be the sure future, we, it's we, next week. What kind of well, future is that? I'm talking bigger picture, man. Your your tiny mind cannot possibly understand the grandeur they're, with which I speak. They're all bigger pictures. That's why we're talking about them. They're yeah. movies. Right. <laughs> next week, we're going to be talking about... Well, I'm yes. going to be talking about Dragon Slayer. I'm not going to let Max into the booth because <laughs> Max ruins well, everything. I'm going to be here telling him how he's wrong about everything. Wrong. but uh, Including be, this. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this. Uh, if you did, be, uh, follow us on Good night, uh, everybody. On, the, on the Twitter. You can uh, we have you can follow us at uh, Plort Max Mike Movies. Good Plort night, everybody. Has, <laughs> quiet, you. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. We did have I a miss Facebook my cue? page and uh, our Good website, night, everybody. MaxMikeMovies.com. <laughs> that was your cue. No. Max Mike Movies is a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. <laughs>